And uh, I just want to let you know that if you have uh, interest and possibility of learning more about traveling to some uh, trips, uh, let us know. Um, I'm going to be uh, traveling over with the team in August to Georg and uh, uh, very excited about that. So be praying for us and be praying for God's hand in your lives as we pursue that. Well, we've got uh, just a little while here to spend. Uh, we invested the time in just hearing from Moses and uh, Marcel and uh, Stelu and just hear what God is doing. And we want to take some minutes here and uh, spend in Galatians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, we should be having or did have some people come around with Bibles. But in Galatians chapter 1, you there? As a reminder, last week we started verses 1 through 5, laid a foundation, talking about how there's a battle for truth. There's been a battle for truth since Adam and Eve in the tree. And it's going on to today and will be until Christ returns and takes care of the whole deal. Bring it on. But uh, there is a battle for truth that's going. And in the first verses here in chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, as we talked last week, is basically this. Paul, an apostle, is saying, hey, this is from me. By the way, Paul, an apostle, you cannot move without pausing and going, goodness gracious, is God big. You see, Paul at one time was a hater of Christ. He hated Christians. And on a hatred expedition to Damascus, on the Damascus Road, a big, gracious, loving Savior showed up, even when he wasn't even thinking about it. Paul, an apostle. Wow. Wow. Paul's writing from him. He's writing in verse 2, it says, to the churches in Galatia. It's the multiple churches. It's a region that's there. It's not just a city. It's not just a church. But he's writing from him to them, and he briefly sums up the gospel. Uh, Jesus Christ gave himself for our sin problem making deliverance from our sin problem available so that we can live for God's glory. And all of that was done according to God's work and God's plan. Here's all we could say it. I want for you to say it with me. Uh, I have a sin problem. That's number one. Say it. I have a sin problem. That's what the scripture says. The gospel starts with that point. What does the gospel start with? The next thing is the scriptures say that God has a grace solution. What's the second thing? So the gospel is, I what? And third is, so what am I going to do about that? What am I going to do with that? I have a sin problem. God has a grace solution. And the question is, what am I going to do with that? That's really, if you will, the gospel summed up in kind of three questions or three statements there. But Paul lays that out. And then in the shortest of all introductions of all of the epistles, as we finished with last week, there's a bam. In other words, Paul's like, from me to you, I have a problem. Say it together. And then bam. What do I mean, bam? Uh, take a look at verse 6 before we go to the, the slide here. Verse 6 is, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting. Listen, there's a problem that's going on. It's a getting sucked in problem that's going on. Hey, do you remember back in the 90s, there was a movie called A Bug's Life? And in that movie, there were two mosquitoes. One's name was Harry. 
And Harry and his buddy were mosquitoing along in the evening. And Harry sees this light. And Harry begins looking at it and flying towards light because mosquitoes like light. He begins going that way. And his mosquito friend makes a statement. And he says, Harry, no, don't look at the light. Because he knows what it is. But Harry says, and I love some of you are like really into that. (laughs) Some are reading it and others are like, but it's so beautiful. And Harry's friend goes, no, Harry. Don't look at the light. Why? Because it's a fake light. Because it's an imitation of the real thing. And it may look good. It may sound good. It may feel good. It may even seem right. But the fact of the matter is, it's still a fake. And the fact of the matter is, the end result of this light for Harry was, how would you describe what happened to Harry? Excellent. That's theologically correct. (laughs) Harry gets zapped. And Paul here is writing to believers in Christ. That's very important. Men and women who have come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior for their sin problem and are seeking to live for Him, those people, this is who this is being written to that we're going to talk about just for a short couple minutes here. This is who Paul is writing to. And Paul is going, no, follower of Christ, don't look at that light because it's lethal. It's lethal. Uh, Let's get into the text. Chapter 1, verse 6. I am astonished, astonished, has this idea of it uh, that he's astounded, he's in wonder, he's perplexed, he's just shocked. He's shocked at who? He's shocked at what? Uh, He's shocked at you. Who's the you? Who's the you? Yeah, the Galatians. Believers in Christ. Please understand, he's not talking to people who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. He's talking to believers. And he's saying, I'm just shocked that you believers in Christ are doing what? are so quickly deserting. This term quickly can mean two things. It can mean easily. In other words, wow, you didn't even give up a fight. Like you just like greased your way into that one. Or it can mean fast. In other words, that was quick. And in this, and sometimes it can mean both. I think likely Paul is using in this idea of both. He's like, I'm astounded, I'm shocked, I'm bewildered. You believers in Christ, you're so quickly, just like that fast? Wow, I mean, you're not even putting up a fight. But it's so beautiful. You're so quickly deserting. The word deserting, it's not talking about just being weakened. It's not talking about being confused It's talking about a very strong term that was used in the Greek days as we would today for the term of a traitor. 
someone who is giving up, someone who is going over. You're deserting something. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting. And what is, are they deserting? Oh, friends, I love this part. I love this part. What do I? I love this part. This is so neat. Look at this. You are so quickly deserting. The English Standard Version says him. <laughs> Big deal, just one word. No. Wait, 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 wait. I think the International Version says you are deserting the one. Oh, listen to me. Listen. What Paul is saying here is you're not deserting an ideology. You're not deserting a club. You're not even deserting a concept. What Paul is saying here is, is not that you're deserting him, Paul. Not that you're deserting your country. Paul is saying, you believers in Christ are so quickly deserting a person. Capital P person. The gospel is about a relationship. Do you know that? I was just say, is that the way, follower of Christ, you live? You think? This is about a relationship. Oh, but it's about a bunch of stuff I'm supposed to do. Oh, really? Really? This is first and foremost about a relationship. Uh, by a question, who's the him? Not the song but the H-I-M. Who's the him? Well, let's take a look. In fact, let's jump down to verse 15. Verse 15, I think later on, it, it tells us here. Verse 15 in chapter one, but he who set me apart. In other words, uh, he's referring to the same him. It isn't defined here yet, but he's saying, but he who set Paul apart, we're going to be getting into this text next week, but he who set Paul apart before I was born. Oh, some of you are like, oh, we're going to talk about that. Next week, like before I was born, I was set apart, so I've been chosen. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Some of you can't wait. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me. Well, let's put this together. Who is this? Answer, because of time. This is God the Father. This is God the Father. Here's what I love about this. The text is saying, him who called you. And down later, it says the same thing. Him who called you. The Greek word for called, it can be translated invited. It's not just like, hey, not that kind of called. It's, a, it's an invitation call. Hey, we're having a party this afternoon. You want to come over? And the answer is? Oh, actually, we're not having a party this afternoon. <laughs> But here's the cool thing. Think about this. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, God the Father called you. Get out of here. No. God the Father called you. Do you see how awesome that is? That is the proper be able to use awesome for. 
Because it's about God the Father. God the Father, this isn't just an ideology that's been put out there. This isn't an idea that's been laid on the table and about, hey, come and join our club because like we have a good time together or like we're really cool. No, no, this is God the Father has called you to be able to be redeemed. That, my friends, is personal. God personal. God, the Father. And it just it gets even more personal than that. Because he who called you in the grace of Christ. Now we have the second person of the Trinity involved in this relationship. God the Father has called. It's through the grace of Christ, through the work of Christ. And we'll see later on in the text as we move along that the Spirit of God is involved as well. Listen, anybody who comes to the place where they come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit has been intimately involved in that salvation process in your life. You are not a number of a bazillion people on the planet. God knows about you personally. And by the way, it's not because you and I are so great. Remember a couple weeks ago, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and you were dead spiritually, completely unable to do anything about it. This begins putting in the blessed reality of it. But God, rich in mercy, abounding in love, God the Father called you, God the Spirit worked in you because Jesus Christ, God the Son, died on the cross for you. End of story. No, beginning of story. I had a thought about just ending right here because I'm just going to say, the text preaches. But we got to finish these couple verses. And so we're going to... Uh, by the way, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, who called you? Do you know that? That is personal. We're about to see as in the weeks to come why the Apostle Paul is actually quite upset with the people in Galatia. Why? You see, because they're turning the relationship into an, an endeavor of personal work. And I just have to say, that makes the Godhead upset. Because the Godhead has sought to establish a relationship. And then knucklehead me wants to turn it into a generated out of my efforts. I just have to say, friends, that is a complete, utter foolish thing that I would do. And that is a complete, utter insult to God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Because as we sang about earlier, it's all about their glory. I can't take any of it. That's why it's grace. I said I'd keep going. I'm having a hard time to. 
He called you in the grace of Christ, but the problem isn't just discerning. The text says it's turning to. It's a one-word preposition. It's to, but that's why the English Standard Version and New International Version has this idea of turning to. It's not just, uh, it's just an act of deserting something and turning to something else, moving to something else. And by the way, I'm turning, they're deserting him. God the Father, they're deserting him and turning to something else. We'll find out more about the whole uh, fact of this turning, what that really looked like for them in the coming weeks. But they're turning to what? A different gospel. A gospel. Good news is what that means. They're turning from one good news to another appearing, nice-sounding, nice-looking, light good news. No, Harry, don't go to that light. Because it's not the real deal. They're turning from something. They're turning to something. Of chapter 3, verse 3 says, uh, You having begun by the Spirit. Oh, there's the third person of the Trinity involved. You are now, bearing, you are now being perfected by the flesh. In other words, you come to Christ, and now you're having this attitude of, I'm earning it? No, no, no. Uh, please understand this. I am not talking about uh, 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 how a life does change. I'm not talking about uh, life not changing. I mean, I've gone from being unredeemed, separated from God now to a child of God. My goodness, life should look differently as a result of that. But there's a whole big difference about responding to the relationship and my life looking different because of what God the Father has done and God the Son has done and God the Spirit has done as opposed to the idea that I'm doing this, therefore God is pleased with me as a result of that. God is pleased with us when we walk with Him because of the relationship with Him. Is that fuzzy? Good, because we're going to clarify that in the coming weeks because the Galatians were having a hard time sorting this out. So we'll get there. We'll get there. Turning, turning to a different gospel. And it says, verse 7, not that there is another one. Hey, friends, there is one gospel. Uh, how many gospels are there? Okay, are you sh- sure? Because I-, I don't answer that. Are you sure? Because to say that there's one piece of good news, one gospel out there, that's a pretty exclusive statement. Would you not say? I would think out of a selection of about 53 would be pretty exclusive. But when you're saying there's only one, you're kind of like, wow, you're like capital E exclusive. If you say there's one, How do you know that one is the one? That is a very good question. And I'm glad you're asking that. Because in the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about that. In fact, next week, Paul goes back and he says, I want to clarify because I have to validate why what I'm teaching you is the real deal. Paul doesn't have a problem with questions at all. And he goes to address it. But listen, we're talking about how many gospels? There's one, just one. He goes on to say, not, uh, not that there is another one. There may be, but they're all 
uh, like the fake light, but there are some who trouble you, some who are trying to bother you, get in, turn you upside down, and they want to distort the gospel. In other words, it's like if you took the Bible, because uh, this is the word of God, we have it written, they didn't in their day, but if you take it and just have this idea of like, I wish I had a Stretch Armstrong Bible, you know, where you could just like pull it and distort it, that's what the word is talking about. You've been given the word, and now it's like, I'm pulling it, and I want to make it what I want it, and I don't like that, and I want this, and I'm pulling it, and I'm making it this way. And you're distorting it. You're taking what was there, and you're twisting it. And again, think of the insanity of this. This is God's gospel, and I am trying to alter it. Man, when we just think about it, I just go, when I do that, How arrogant is that? I'm in essence, it's fine to ask questions. But when I distort it, I'm beyond asking questions and I'm putting myself on the throne of what is truth over God's. And I'm usurping the truth maker. But there are some who trouble you, some who want to distort the gospel. Well, let me finish with this. Six distorted gospels of today. This is just my list. Just to kind of have you be thinking about this. I think there's others. You could regroup them different ways. But six distorted gospels of today. Number one, the all religions lead to God gospel. All religions lead to God's gospel. All truth, anything divine. Everyone who believes in the divine is set free because God is all about all kinds of faces, all kinds of religions. Listen, if that's the case, God is a complete schizophrenic, and God is incredibly cruel. That's just the fact. Instead, it's just one, and that gives me hope. But that's also exclusive. Uh, May I remind us of John 14, 6, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. That's the indefinite article, isn't it? I'm sorry, I I stink at English, and I said that, and I just thought, am I right on that? It's a definite article. It's the. (laughs) See, that's when I bring my English past back, and I'm in trouble. But it's talking about the, not a. It's the truth, the life. Listen, so it doesn't fly. All roads do not lead to heaven. I wish they did they don't. Second, the what works for you gospel. Hey, whatever floats your boat, sets you free, makes you feel good, man, good for you. May I remind us, Galatians chapter 1, there is no other gospel. Uh, three, the health, wealthiness, health, happiness, and prosperity gospel. Uh, Jesus sets me free from all problems. If you receive Jesus, you, he will take care of all your problems, and he will lavish you with everything that you need. You'll be wealthy. You should have a jet and a house and a mansion if you just trust God enough because that's what Jesus is all about. I just want to tell you, that is an utter lie. Because how does that fit with 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and 12 that we talked about a few weeks ago? Paul telling all that he went through. How does that fit with James chapter 1 and 1 Peter chapter 1? When he talks about these trials have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold may be shown to be proved to be true. God is actually behind trials. He's so big he can bring the worst of situations to the greatest of glory in his name. Fourth, the easy believism gospel. Just ask Jesus into your heart and you got the ticket to heaven and then just do whatever you want till then. 
what? I'll just tell you, what? What is with that? Again, Ephesians chapter 2. You go from that to a child of God, and there's no change? No, the new life is about here now as well. Five, the self-esteem gospel. Jesus meets my needs. Jesus makes me feel so good about me. Ugh. I just wonder what God thinks about that one. When he reflects back on dying on the cross for your and my sin. And lastly, the legalism gospel. See, if I follow this list of rules, God will love me. So much for the relationship. It's just a to-do list. And when I please it, God's pleased with me. And usually what I do is I take that list and I kind of hold it up to everybody else and I go, you guys so are not measuring up to the list. And uh, it's not a legalism gospel. Last two verses. Verses 8. But even if we, Paul is talking about himself and those with him, but even if we are an angel from heaven, listen, he's going to the extreme to prove a point. Even if we are an angel for heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. The word is an anathema. Let him be accursed. It's a heavy word. It's not like shame on him. It's literally this heavy duty. It's de they're devoted to destruction. Verse 9, look at this. He repeats it. As we've said before, not just in the previous statement, but I think he's referring to as he talked with them before in the past. But he says it again. Now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. I just want to say this. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you know the gospel, by the way, what's the gospel? I think I've heard that there's like three things to the gospel summed up. What's the first one? I have a sin problem. What's the second one? God is a grace solution. And the third one, hey, listen, if you, on that third question, if you've come to a place where you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, and it's like, I'm done with this, and I'm about living for Christ, and I want to honor Him and glorify Him with my life, be forgiven of my sins and be His child, oh, rock on, that's what I want to be about, I just want to say this, <laughs> don't leave that gospel. This isn't a series about getting angry. This is a series about going, there's one. Mm. There's one. And it's good, good, really, really good news. Set free. Set free. Set free unto living to glorify the Lord. Let's protect it. Hey, Don't go to the light. But it's so beautiful. It sounds so right. Don't go there. It's a fake. Stay on the light. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the joy of walking in you, the joy of salvation. Oh, Lord, if there's anyone in here today who doesn't know for sure 
that they know you as their Savior. Oh God, I pray that they would just be thinking and thinking and asking the question, have I made a decision about what to do with my sin problem before holy God? Oh Lord, I, I pray for that person that they're unsure. That they would just grab a hold of someone they came with or after the service when we're everybody's heading out. We have some people down here. They can come up and ask and just say, hey, can you explain this more to me? Or God, just that they would start coming to you. Oh, Lord, I pray for them that they would come to know you as their Savior. But Lord, this text is really driven at followers of Christ. Father, I pray that we would be individuals, those who know Christ as their Savior, that we would be people who are reminded that the good news of Jesus Christ that grace gift of his death on the cross and the resurrection, his work imputed to my life, brought to my life by receiving him as my savior. Oh, Lord, thank you. May I stay on that gospel and may my life be completely different because of it. Oh, Father, I am humbled and awed and honored that you would call me my word. Because of Christ, I'm your child. Wow. May we live for you because of that good news. In Christ's name we pray.